Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Squawk 7000, bringing you a roundup of aviation news for this week starting December 12th. The headlines and news are brought to you in association with flyinginireland.com. Remember to subscribe and to keep us as Ireland's number one aviation podcast, and you'll get the news delivered to your device every Monday morning. I'm Michael Cummins. In the headlines this week, the Irish Aviation Authority reminds those who might get a drone for Christmas of the need to register. Michael O'Leary extends his contract with Ryanair from July 2024 to July 2028. And an investment programme will see the development of a multi-million euro new college of further education and training campus in Shannon, incorporating a national centre of excellence for aviation. With many people likely to receive drones as Christmas presents, the Irish Aviation Authority is warning operators that they must obey the law that regulates the use of the devices. Santa may deliver a drone this Christmas, but not necessarily the knowledge to fly it safely. That's why the IAA has some essential advice for drone users. Well, joining me now to talk more about this is Enda Walsh. Enda, a great job title, Drone Champion with the Irish Aviation Authority. Uh, thank you very much, yes. Yeah. So the drone champion are the UAS manager, and I suppose it reflects the two aspects of my role. One is to try and encourage and develop the drone industry in Ireland, while obviously at the same time maintaining the highest levels of safety for everyone in the state. Now, of course, people might be looking at this and going, but sure, look, we're, we're talking about toys and Christmas and people might be used to the idea because we've talked about it in Swalk 7000 before about, you know, getting your uh, your coffee delivered by drone and these big drones are flying along doing their job. What about the little ones and why are you concerned about them? Yeah, so we take a risk-based approach to regulation when it comes to drones from open, specific and certified and increasing risk. And this campaign is really aimed at the recreational small drone user this Christmas. And the message is threefold really, is to encourage people to register as an operator. You'll receive your operator ID, which you then place on your drones to complete the training and to understand the rules before you fly. A lot of your listeners are aviation enthusiasts, heavily involved, they don't understand a lot of this, but many people aren't coming from an aviation background and they buy this drone and tend to just put it up in the sky not knowing the possible drastic consequences of it. So it's trying to get them to engage with the system and understand the limitations before they start flying that drone. I mean, at an anecdotal level, we know about the drones that go up the first day and then disappear off into, into the sunset, which which is problem number one. But the other thing that I'm concerned about is, and we don't necessarily think about it, is the fact that you're concerned if the drone has a camera on it. This is a privacy issue, I presume. It is a privacy issue. So... Both the societal acceptance studies have shown privacy is a big concern for the public and the reports we get in will be very similar as well. We get a lot of concerns on privacy. So it really, it doesn't differ from your video doorbell or your dash cam or even the phone on your mobile. The same privacy rules apply. It's not unique because it's a drone and it's, you have to ask yourself, look, are you capturing identifiable information? Are you respecting people's reasonable expectation of privacy? So 
someone expecting a roof or an estate agent will obviously may have to circle over the neighboring house's garden. But as long as they're not capturing faces or license plates, they're okay. But if they are, they may become a data controller. Now, we've worked closely with the Data Protection Commission to provide guidance on that. So specific guidance we link from a website people can follow up on. Now, the next thing we're talking about is uh, this, the safe operation of them. And I suppose sharing the airspace, I know this is an area you've got a, a particular interest in, but, you know, for any general aviation pilots who are listening to us, or indeed even uh, commercial and uh, professional pilots, what is done to create uh, separate airspace or indeed safe airspace with drone operations, especially those that might be being used by amateurs? Yeah, so we have uh, a number of tools available. We can re- create UES geographical zones to either prohibit entirely, restrict, or in some cases provide exemptions from drone use. The next stage beyond that then will be a use space. Now the use space regulation comes to in, into effect in January and there's a requirement on GA pilots in terms of if they need to go into use space. It's the I conspicuity requirement. And so it's a move from see and avoid to be seen and be avoided really. And um, so you, there's a number of technical options to that. There's the certified ADSB out, there's the ADS, ADSB light, or they're looking at now mobile ADSB mobile telephony. Those technical standards will, will develop as we go along. But the concept is to be seen and be avoided. So take a HEMS operator, for example, that might have to go into a volume of use space around Dublin City, low level, into a hospital. He'll contact ATC. ATC will contact the UAS service providers who will digitally notify all the drone operators and they'll segregate that airspace. And that ice conspicuity allows the HEMS operators to be seen by the drone operators. So so this is technology being used in a very clever way, because I believe even some of the operators already have programmed into the drones airspace limitations. Yeah, so take the, the US geographical zones I mentioned earlier. We'd have them around the airports, for example, the hospitals, prisons, etc. And DJI are very good at picking up a lot of that information and it'll display it directly on the phone or the remote control of, of the recreation operator that, that may not be checking no times or even though they should be, may not be fully aware of the restrictions, it'll pop up straight in front of them. All states um, have to publish the geozones in a very unique digital format that's the same for everyone and it just allows the likes of DJI to scrape that off the internet automatically and very quickly update their information. Okay, so we, we know that there's an altitude or a height restriction on drones. What's uh, 120 metres, is it? Yeah, 120 metres or 400 feet, and that, that gives that nice buffer between, as you know, the 500-foot limit for, for GA. Then, you know, from the point of view of, uh, you know, a GA pilot going on a, on a, on a long cross-country, 1,200 feet, whatever the case may be, what concerns do they have to have or should they have about drones in their airspace? Most drones should be keeping below that 400 feet limit. Obviously, the higher specific categories, we can give exemptions, but we would have a whole uh, risk assessment and authorization process around that and we put mitigations in place if drones are going higher, be that segregating the airspace or something else. What about the recommendation for training? What is your recommendation for anybody listening to us who's, you know, thinking about getting themselves a drone or at least having one in the family? What level of training should they acquire for themselves and on where? Yeah, I suppose I'll jump back to the registration initially. So it's if it's a drone is 250 grams or if it has a camera, you're required to register. So it's or, not and. Mm-hmm. There is an exception, obviously, for toy drones, but they're to- drones that are clearly sold and marketed for un- children under 14 and they tend to be very small and so only suitable for indoors. Once you register then, you can do the initial level of training through the IA website and it'll advise you then if you need more training depending on the size of your drone. It's an online series of videos and a questionnaire and you get your remote pilot certificate from that. People are always a little bit worried about over-regulation and taking the fun out of things. As the champion of, of drones, how do, you, how do you square that away for us and say, you haven't done that? 
No, we very much haven't. And the, the, as I mentioned, we take a very much a risk-based approach to regulation. So the lower risk open category. Um, so I have, for example, a DJI Mini 3 here in front of me. It's a 249 gram drone, comes in the lowest risk category. I can fly it nearly anywhere outside of restricted airspace. Once I keep it below 400 feet within visual line of sight, there's a huge flexibility around that. So the, the prescriptive regulations around it are very light because it's a very low risk drone. And obviously as the drones get heavier, or the operation becomes riskier, the regulation proportionally becomes more onerous on the operator. And you do have, obviously, the ability to use compliance and prosecution uh, should people actively ignore the safety guidelines. Yeah, of course, just culture comes into play, but if it's intentional or malicious, we can go all the way to prosecution in the district court, which we have done earlier this year, where an operator was uh, knowingly flying a drone over an assembly of people. So that's like, it was a, it was a protest, it was a crowd of people. If there was a flyaway, assembly of people is where the density is such, the people on the ground just couldn't get out of the way in time. So that was a high risk, dangerous activity. And we ended up with a successful prosecution in the district court on that one. But in the meantime, you're encouraging that if a Santa does co- either come by drone or deliver drones, that families uh, and people who own them should get themselves registered. We want them to enjoy, just fly safely and just be responsible and respectful. So if they log on to ia.e forward slash drones, it'll link to our online platform where they can register. Once they complete the identity verification, they'll get the registration number to put on their drone and then they can do the training and off they go. Enda Walsh there from the IAA. And if you're a general aviation pilot, we have a bonus episode this week for you on Squawk 7000 from Jerry Humphreys on winter flying. Ryanair Holdings PLC announced this week the appointment of Anne Nolan, former chair of the Irish Aviation Authority, to its board as a non-executive director. The group also confirmed that an agreement has been reached with Group CEO Michael O'Leary to extend his contract from July 2024 to July 2028. An investment programme will see the development of a multi-million euro new college of further education and training campus in Shannon, incorporating a national centre of excellence for aviation. Limerick and Clare Education and Training Board has announced an investment in the region of over €1 billion as part of the launch of its new five-year strategy. Setting out its vision to enhance the quality of learning and life in the region, Strategy Statement 2022-26 outlines the role the ETB will play over the five years of the plan. This includes fulfilling the personal, social and economic and employability needs of the community it serves. The launch took place at Shannon Airport and was attended by the ETB senior management team, staff and guests, including the Minister of State for Skills and Further Education, Niall Collins TD, and other representatives. Emirates Airline expects to reach 100% capacity and network next year as the aviation sector continues to recover at an exponential rate in the post-pandemic period. On November 1st, 2022, Emirates began its massive multi-billion dollar two-year retrofit programme, starting on the first of 120 aircraft earmarked for full cabin interior upgrade and installing the airline's latest premium economy seats. In addition to recruiting 190 additional staff for the project, Emirates is also engaged with 62 key partners and suppliers who've hired hundreds more skilled hands for the biggest known aircraft retrofit programme in modern commercial aviation. The aviation sector has seen a solid recovery in the post-pandemic period. Airlines from around the world added over 110,000 seats to the Dubai route in November to accommodate the increased flow of tourists and football fans who flocked to the region to watch the FIFA World Cup. Last week, Dubai Airport revised the passenger traffic forecast upwards for 2022 after Dubai International Airport's traffic returned to the pre-pandemic levels in the third quarter. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Thompson Aero Seating announced plans for creating a world-class dynamic test facility, a DTF, in Northern Ireland this week. This is a £7.5 million investment in a facility that will catapult Thompson into a new era of development and innovation. Building works have already begun to extend the premises for the DTF at the Thompson Brownfield site in Banbridge, County Down, and are planned to complete in spring 2023, with the test equipment to be installed in the summer and testing due to begin from autumn 2023. In parallel with the building works will be the recruitment of several test engineering roles. Ryanair Chief Executive Michael O'Leary said this is the most optimistic time he's seen in air travel since taking charge of the airline in the mid-1990s, as passengers return to the skies following a series of COVID-19 lockdowns. Eddie Wilson, the head of Ryanair DAC, the largest airline in the group, added that the looming recession in Europe is of a different variety due to the build-up of savings during the pandemic and relatively full employment in the economies Ryanair operates in. And Aer Lingus has ordered another two A320neo aircraft from Airbus. The November 30 order appears in last month's Airbus orders and deliveries data. Minister of State at the Department of Transport, Hildegard Nocton TD, announced the provision of over €21 million in direct exchequer support for the airports of Shannon, €6.8 million, Cork, €10.4 million, Ireland West Knock, €1.8 million, Kerry, €1.4 million and Donegal, €0.6 It's anticipated that this level of funding, which is 41% higher than last year's operational funding allocation, will meet 100% of all eligible salary costs in the areas of safety, security and air traffic control at these airports in 2022. Kerry, Ireland West Airport Knock, Cork and Shannon airports are each currently outperforming Dublin airports in terms of a faster recovery towards the pre-COVID passenger numbers achieved in 2019. In France, the country's ban on domestic flights under 2.5 hours, initially proposed in April, received the go-ahead from the European Commission recently. Initially applying to flights from Paris Orly to Bordeaux, Nantes and Lyon, all of which are high-speed TGV rail corridors, the ban may be expanded to include other routes after three years of the concept proved successful. The plan initially proposed banning trips below four hours by air. However, this was reduced after objections from Air France KLM, and representatives of affected regions. Environmental groups are pushing for the flight ban to go even further, with Greenpeace saying it should extend to six hours when a train alternative is available. Australian-born Spitfire pilot Carolyn Grace has died at the age of 70. She learned to fly the Spitfire following the death of her husband Nick in a car crash in Sussex in England in 1998. She herself was killed in a car accident in Australia on December 2nd last. Her interest is considered to have marked the start of the Spitfire nostalgia industry, with around 70 now flying, and starting a thriving industry in rebuilding Spitfires. The Grey Spitfire, which survives, was RAF serial ML407, serving the Irish Air Corps as serial 162, and the aircraft also displayed at the Bray Air Show. 
And that's our news for this week and indeed for the month of December. We'll return in the new year with more weekly updates. In the meantime, we'll be sharing compilations of some of the over 120 episodes we have in the library with you over the holiday period. Remember too, if you have aviation news that you'd like to share, if you're the PR for many of the many flying groups in Ireland, please do include us in your news emails and send your stories to news at squawk7000.ie. From all of us here, have a great holiday. Thank you.